Have you ever been so frustrated because you couldn't find something that was lost? Have you ever lost your phone? Have you ever lost your phone, but yet you were using your flashlight on your phone to look for your lost phone? Me neither. Now, uh, truthfully, like, a, a lot of my personal things have been lost simply because my beautiful, lovely wife has misplaced them. Any guys feel my pain, right? Some of you aren't raising your hand. You're not brave enough to confess that you, some of you are just smart. You're like, I'm not getting in hot water, right? Now, tr- the only thing that really I've lost to Stephanie is my heart. Now I'm making up, right? <laughs> Several years ago, uh, I lost my keys at my house. And, and I don't lose my keys because they always have a place. Everything has a place. When I walk in the house, I hang up the keys and they'll never get lost. So I was surprised when my keys were missing. And for three days, I spent several hours looking everywhere for my keys and the, and the cushions of the couch, through the trash. I turned the house upside down. And, and I asked my whole family to help me, but they were only watching the show. Yeah, they helped for the first few minutes, but they just watched me for three days, frustrated, looking everywhere for my keys. And I knew they had to be somewhere. And so I called a family meeting, gathered everybody in the living room, and I said, do you know where my keys are? Some of you know something. And my girls, my wife and my two daughters said, no, we don't know where your keys are at. And so I looked at my three-year-old son, Bryce, and I said, Bryce, daddy loves you. Do you know where my keys are at? And he said, I show you. I was like, all right, little man, show me where daddy's keys. And so imagine following my th- your three-year-old son into your home office, right? So he walks into my home office, and he points to this floor vase, and he says, I show you, daddy. And I said, Bryce, I know that's a, it's a vase with fake wooden sticks, but I, I need to know where my keys are at. And so he took two steps closer, and he goes, I show you, daddy. And I looked inside. And I took out these sticks, and then I turned it upside down, and there was his secret stash. (laughs) Toys, money, candy, and in the middle of all of his stuff were my keys. This little thief (laughs) stole and hid my keys and watched me for three days search for these keys. But the frustration subsided because there was great joy to find something and find it and be reunited with it. So I grabbed my son and I said, thank you for helping me find daddy's keys. And if you ever touch them again, you're going to get the biggest pop-up of your life. (laughs) Some of you have lost something more valuable and important than keys. Some of you lost your job. You've lost your health. You've lost a loved one. You've lost the the heart of a child. You've lost a friendship, maybe a relationship with a family member, and your heart is heavy today. Maybe you've lost something spiritually. You've lost your way. You've lost your first love in Christ. You've lost your passion 
You've lost a dream. The good news is that some things that were once lost are meant to be found. And by faith, you're going to be reunited with something. During this series, during over the next couple of weeks, I'm really believing that, that God's going to restore. And he, that things are going to be found. And for some of you, you're going to be found. And for some of you, you've got some friends in your life, some family members, some prodigal sons and prodigal children that are going to be found in Christ. Amen. So please turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. It's so good to be home from vacation. Some of you haven't saw us and uh, you haven't seen us and, and you thought we were lost, but uh, we knew where home was at. We knew where you were at. We've missed you. We love you. We're glad to be home with you and excited to start this brand new series called Things That Were Lost. Jesus came to this earth and he had a mission. There was one thing that would keep him up at night and cause him to get up early in the morning. His mission, and we can find it, verse, chap, verse 10 of Luke 19, it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were what? Lost. Jesus' mission was to save those who were spiritually lost. And this verse, this mission statement of Jesus, like we have four Gospels, and his mission statement is right here, verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. And it comes in context of a tax collector named Zacchaeus that Jesus was so burdened when he saw him that he went to spend time with him in his house and had fellowship with him. And salvation came to this man's house. He was once lost, and now he is found. And this mission, that the fact that Jesus spent time with tax collectors and, and those who were in sin and prostitutes and, and people who were drunks, it drove the church people crazy. Turn over with me to Luke chapter 15. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, they couldn't understand it. And so they would complain and they would, they would criticize Jesus. They were like, he's a rabbi. He shouldn't spend time with people who are unclean. He's clean. That's not what we do. But Jesus spent more time with, with people in the crowd. He had such a burden for the lost that he would spend time. And yes, he would preach the truth. And, and they would draw near. And they would, the Pharisees, they would complain. And so in response to their complaining and confusion, Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, verse 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was what? Lost. And I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. How many of you can say, I was once lost, but I have been found? Amen? Found people find people. That's what Jesus did. He found others. So how do you find something that's lost? How do you find someone who is lost? We can look at the word of God. We can look at the example of Jesus. We can look at the words of Jesus. And he says, I show you. 
I show you the way, right? So there's principles here. To find something that's valuable, that was lost, it starts with prayer. It starts with prayer. Because when you pray, you will get the burden of God. You will get his heart of compassion and love for other people. And people matter most to God. People matter more than things. And that's what matters. That's to the heart of the Lord. So when we pray, when we have a conversation with the Lord, it's more than just saying things that are on our heart. It's more than just approaching God with a selfish agenda. It's more than seeing God as a genie in a bottle or Santa Claus to to fulfill our wish list. We should come as his servant, as his child, to say, God, my father, I trust you. I want your will to be done. I come with an open mind, an open heart to surrender, and I desire for you to fulfill your purpose in and through my life. That should be a desire when we come to the Lord. Yes, we should share our burdens and we should make intercession, but we should, when we pray, we should say, God, I, I want your burden. I want, I want your will to be done in our hearts. And that's what the Lord desired. He, he wanted that for his disciples. He wanted that for religious leaders who were doing God's work. But there was a disconnect. There was a gap. And Jesus saw that with his, the Pharisees. And so he responded with, with, with sharing a, uh, the, the lostness of humanity and illustrating it with a flock of sheep, right? They lived in an agrarian society. They would have seen shepherds, Bedouins with their taking care of sheep. And so everybody saw this all over the place. So Jesus illustrates this with a flock of, of sheep. And he sings, one of them is lost. When you think of a, a sheep, you might think of this nice, fluffy, cute little sheep that doesn't bite. They look cute at these uh, 4-H shows. But let's be honest. Sheep are not the brightest in the animal kingdom, Right? Have you ever seen any videos of sheep? Any just dumb sheep videos on the internet? Have you ever seen one? Have you ever seen this one? Of the sheep that gets stuck and then it gets set free, right? And once it gets set free, what does that sheep do? If you've seen it before, you know the end of the story, right? <laughs> when I was writing this message, confession, I, I watched that video about 20 times and then just started watching all kinds of dumb sheep video. Some of you have lost your joy. And so I want to encourage you just to Google dumb sheep videos. And not now, but uh, the, <laughs> this afternoon. And then you watch how your joy will be returned. We laugh at these, these sheep, right? These dumb sheep. But the reality is we were just like these sheep. The Bible says that in Isaiah, that we have all been like sheep who have gone astray spiritually. Like, there's no way that we can, like a sheep will, will find a gap in the fence and it will wander off into the hills. And there's no way that sheep will be able to return on its own. And the same way with us. We can't come home spiritually on our own. We can't do anything to save ourselves. We need God to help us, right? And... Charles Spurgeon writes, the sheep's foolishness and helplessness should remind us of our own. So I want to share with you four reasons why things get lost. Yes, spiritually speaking, but these principles are true for so many things that can get lost. First reason why things get lost is because of a lack of perception. A lack of understanding, true understanding. 
Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool has no delight in understanding. There are those who are lost, lost in their sin. They've lost their way. They're far away from it. And, and sin is pleasurable for a season. The Bible says that. And some people, they just don't, they haven't seen the light. They don't know the truth. They don't understand who God is and the, what he has in store for their life. That he can really save them. And they just lack perception. When our, first, when our church first got started, uh, several months into our journey, we were meeting at the Silverado Movie Theater. And at the end of almost every message, I would give an opportunity for people to surrender their life to Jesus. And I'll never forget the one day that I, that I shared the gospel and there was one person sitting on the very back. And he was the only person who came forward. And he walked all the way down the movie theater to the front of the room, we had this big wooden cross that my brother-in-law built. And it's the same cross that we have outside of our water baptism tank. And he came forward. He had long hair, long sideburns. He looked up at me and smiled. He only had a few teeth. And he had this white T-shirt that said, probably shouldn't say it, but it said, screw you, I'm from Texas. So I'm going to like this guy. But he was sincere, and tears began to come down his cheeks as he surrendered his life to Jesus. And we became friends and spent some time together. And I invited him to be a part of my, my the small group. And, and there was great enthusiasm for the Lord, and he became part of our church family. But the further he got into his journey of Christ, the Holy Spirit kept trying to to convict him of an area of his life, and that, that was simply alcoholism. He, he was um, an addict. He, he didn't have faith that God could set him free from this addiction, from this stronghold. Bottom line, he loved beer more than he loved Jesus. And I watched him drift away, drift away from the small group, then drift away from church. Several years passed. And I was home one evening, and Stephanie said, there's this car that keeps going up and down the street right in front. And I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. And then the car just parked outside of our house. And so I went outside, and, 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 and it was my friend who I hadn't seen in years. And he had been drinking for a while, there's no doubt. But he, he shared his regret and the pain of being apart from God, apart from the fellowship that we had and his regret of, of spending more time in this stronghold and it's just years of regret. I'll never forget the look in his face, in his eyes, the tone of his voice. And the Lord, I believe, allowed me to have that. I, I, I don't stop praying for my friend. I believe that he is going to come home one day. I believe that. But I'm burdened for you. I'm burdened for so many in our church family that, like another one of Jesus' parables, the, the parable of the sower where the seed is planted, if it's not in good soil, then if it's in the rocky soil or if it's in the soil where it has uh, weeds that can grow up and choke out the, the word of God in our lives, that there's, there's great concern that you can lack a perception of who God is and who Jesus is. And you're maybe one shiny, pretty little thing away from causing your heart to drift away from God and being spiritually lost. My heart is burdened for you. My heart is burdened for those of you who come maybe once or 
for twice a month, and this is, this is all you have in your connection spiritually with God, coming to church, and you, you're more of a spectator, and you're not engaging Jesus. You don't have a personal relationship with him. You're not engaging him in the word of God. My hope and desire is that you would really know who Jesus is and have a relationship with him, that you would understand the character and nature of God, and you would understand his commands and what he desires for your, for your life. And that you would cling to the word of God and it would be a foundation for your life. My favorite place in the entire church is right outside these doors in the lobby. It's the Bible box in the foundation of our church. Have you seen that Bible box? It was uh, when we were building this church, I I shared with our church family that I was going to get my Bible to be in the the foundation when we poured the cement. And there was a, a man in his late 80s, a spiritual grandfather of mine named Luther Foster, who handed me his Bible. And he said, the, the Bible has been the foundation of my life, been the foundation of my marriage for nearly 75 years, been the foundation for my ministry. And he said, prophetically, may it be the foundation for this church. And so we honored his words. We honored his Bible by creating a Bible box in the foundation of our church. And it's a reminder that this word would be a light into your path, that it would be the foundation for your life. The Bible says, and I want to read to you in 1 Corinthians, a passage of Scripture. It says, starting in verse 10 through 15 of chapter 3, According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is who? Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. A solid foundation is essential. May you understand who Jesus is. Understand the fundamentals of your faith, of salvation, repentance, lordship, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Who Jesus is. May it be a foundation for your life so you will never get lost. So the first reason why things get lost is a lack of perception. Another reason is a lack of provision. When a child is born, they need care, right? They need nourishment. They need love. They can't feed themselves. Spiritually, it's very similar. When people are born again and become part of the family of God, some people get lost because they become spiritual orphans and they don't receive the care that they need. Bible says in Luke 15 to help illustrate what is lost, Jesus uses another example. And he says in verse 8, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? Now that coin did nothing by itself to get itself lost. That coin was lost perhaps Because of neglect. Some people get lost 
because of the carelessness of others. And if you've ever been part of a church where you have been neglected, abused, or hurt, I'm sorry. Some of you are here, and your expectations have not been met. And I'm sorry, maybe I have let you down. One of my concerns is, uh, as God has added so many people to our church family, is that we've grown through the years. And the tension that I manage as one of the pastors here is that I cannot directly care for every sheep in the flock of God. But I have a responsibility that everybody be cared for. And this is why we're passionate about small groups. And I'm so grateful for the heart and the desire to love the flock of God with all of our small group leaders that have said yes to the Great Commission. And I'm grateful for them. Some of you don't belong to a small group. And as a result, you're outside of the, the, the structure, the family, to be able to be cared for and to care for others. And my hope and desire is that you would not be lost because you've lacked a provision. So first, people get lost because of a lack of perception. Second, a lack of provision. There's another reason. And that third reason is a lack of protection. You see, Jesus is, he will never let us down. Sometimes we get our eyes focused on someone and and they will let us down. But Jesus is our good shepherd. And he said in in John chapter 10, starting verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I also also must bring. And they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. No matter how lost you feel, God sees you. If his eye is on the sparrow, his eye is on you. You are not forgotten. You're not lost. God sees you and he desires that you be a part of his flock, part of his family, that you be saved. Sometimes we we get lost because we're not protected. And there's wolves. There's a real enemy. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 27, For I have not shunned to you to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves. And to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Do you hear the urgency of Apostle Paul as he cared about the flock of God? And this is something that we should feel the same way. Some people get hurt, they get abused because they were not protected. They trusted the wrong people. There's real wolves. There's a real enemy outside the church. There's also wolves in sheep's clothing that we must become very careful of and watch. And so, yes, we have pastors and small group leaders, but can I empower you, my brothers and sisters? May we guard our minds of good doctrine. May we guard the hearts of our children, of our spouses, of our fellow brothers and sisters, of new believers. Guard our own church. Would you keep watch with me? 
Because I don't want any wolf or any enemy to come and to tear you apart or to cause your heart to drift away, to be lost from the family of God. So the first reason why things get lost or people get lost is because of a lack of perception. Second, a lack of provision. Third, a lack of protection. But there's a fourth, and that's a lack of pursuit. Jesus not only withdrew early in the morning to spend time with his father, and it was there that he spent time praying that God gave him a, a, a heart of compassion and, and love for those who he came to seek and save. And in Matthew 23, verse 37, we see the heart of Jesus. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, if we're going to find people and things that were lost, first we must pray, but we must continue through pursuit. We must, yes, have faith, but we must have action to that faith. Are you grateful that Jesus had more than just a heart of compassion? For he laid down his life for his flock. He died on the cross. He acted in love. He risked his life. He gave his life for the sheep. He gave his life for you and for me. In 1910, London was a very poor city. And there was an outreach ministry called the Salvation Army. Wonderful ministry. And there were two leaders in this ministry. They were sisters, Kate and Mary Jackson. And they were committed and they worked hard in this city. There was great need everywhere. And they made clothing out of cloth. And they, and they would work in the streets. And they would share their testimony. And they would preach on street corners the, the gospel of Christ. However, they saw no fruit. They felt like they were not making a difference. People weren't responding to their invitation. Thought maybe something was wrong with the city that they lived in. And so they wrote a letter to the founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth. They said, would you kindly move us to another station? We're so tired and disheartened. We've tried everything that we've been taught to do. Please move us to another location. Booth sent a telegram back with two words. Try tears. Try tears. So these two ladies, these sisters, went into their secret place and got on their knees with these words from their leader. And they began to pray. And while they prayed, these prayers turned into travailing prayers. And they prayed until they got the heart of the Lord and the burden of God and they began to weep. And their broken hearts and their tears they took into ministry to the streets of London. And it was there that they began to minister with the grace and power of God that wasn't through their own efforts, but because of the supernatural power of God, they began to see people saved and they began to see people healed and there was great revival in this corner of London. How God used mightily these two sisters for the Lord. Yes, they prayed, but these tears were moved into actions. First, it starts with prayer. It continues with 
pursuit and it ends with a party. For Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verses 9 and 10, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I was lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner who repents. Isn't that incredible that all heaven still rejoices when one person, when one sinner repents? Yes, God is very glad that you are part, many of you are part of the family of God, you have been found. But his heart longs, his heart beats, his heart is burdened for those who are spiritually lost. Your friends, your neighbors, your family members, people who are spiritually lost. But can we get a vision for them coming to know that Jesus? Can we get a vision of that, that moment of rejoicing when they surrender their life to Jesus? When they're baptized in water, when they begin to grow in their faith. Let us not lose heart. Let us never stop praying. Never stop doing. While it's light, we must work. While I was away, I went into a a mountain. And I spent a lot of time with the Lord as the Lord replenished and restored my soul. And as I spent time with God and preparing for this message and the series and the season that we were going into, the Lord has moved in my heart. and He's given me such a, a heart for for people who are still early in their faith and who are struggling, but also people in our community who don't know Jesus yet. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just, I know the Holy Spirit's not just stirring in me, but he's stirring in our church. And I see a day that more people are being saved outside of this church than inside. And it will happen when the whole church takes the whole gospel to the whole world. When you see that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the gospel in bold, new, and creative ways with your friends and your family members, we will see a mighty harvest of God. But it's because we see the broken heart of the Lord for a lost humanity and a lost community. And so, Father, we pray. In response to your word, would you give us your broken heart for this spiritually lost? For Lord, we are your method. You came to seek and save the lost. You died on the cross. But you've called us as your followers to the great mission, to the great commission to go into the world and to make disciples. Baptizing in your name and teaching everything you've commanded. And you said your presence would be with us. That we don't have to be afraid you've given us your power and I pray oh Lord that we would trust you that we would obey you Lord I pray for my friends that are here Lord I love them and some of them have lost some things that are important they've lost some things spiritually God I pray that you would bring clarity that you would give them vision even now Lord that they have through their own efforts, have tried to search. Some of them have just given up. Some of them have, Lord, lost things that were stolen. And I pray, Father, that you would restore, that you would restore purpose, that you would restore a first love in you, a first love with spouses, that you would turn the hearts of children to their parents and the hearts of parents to their children. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we see miracles, that we can glorify you. But through it all, I pray that we, would, that we would feel your heart for a broken and lost world. 
for San Antonio and Lotus and this hill country. Lord, I pray even now that you would bring names and faces to our hearts, that we'd begin to weep and we would pray for prodigal children and prodigal grandchildren, that they would come back to know you, Jesus. May we not give up for friends, Lord. I pray for my friend, God. Pray for Flanagan. I call his name out, Lord. I won't give up spiritually. I know that you love him. May he return back home, God. May he fully surrender to you, Jesus. Lord, may we not forget what that we were once lost. And that moment that we were found, God, and that moment of decision that we, we laid down our life and we truly believed, Jesus, that you died on the cross and we were set free and we were born again and we didn't do it through our own efforts or works. But Father, may we be filled with gratitude and love because of how you saved us in your name.